The Eagles need a win to end a two-game losing streak, and Sunday's task is an enormous one. The NFL's last unbeaten team, the Minnesota Vikings, and quarterback Sam Bradford come to Lincoln Financial Field for a 1 p.m. kickoff that features the Eagles tackling breast cancer campaign. How can the Eagles get back on track after losses to Detroit and Washington? We'll explore that here in the Eagles Live podcast, episode 40. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro, and we've got a great show for you, full of insight and introspection from a 3-2 and two football team that looks to get back on course. A couple of national perspectives on the team come later in the show. Merrill Reese offers his thoughts on how the Eagles can win. Bo Allen talks about his increased role at defensive tackle. And we will hear from Bradford about the trade that rocked the NFL and the feeling he has about his 5-0 and Vikings. First, though, it's time for some one-on-one conversation with head coach Doug Peterson, who's looking for a rebound game from his Eagles. Obviously, winning uh, covers a lot of the negative sometimes uh, that happens during the course of the week and obviously during the football game. But, you know, my message to the football team is this. we got to have our playmakers make plays, bottom line. And there just wasn't enough guys making plays. And, and we just got to stick to doing our assignments, doing our jobs, one play at a time mentality, and not do too much. And, and sometimes I think that happens a little bit. And especially when you get behind in a football game, it can happen on both sides. So defensively, they're trying to press to make a play. And then offensively, we're behind, so we're pressing to make a play. And you don't have to do that. I think we're definitely good enough to get off the field on third down, and we're quite capable of staying on the field on third down, and we've just got to clean up a couple areas. Doug, what's sticking out to you about this offense right now? Well, I still think we're very capable of running the football. I think we've been very successful there with some of the runs. It was a unique game this past week, so we didn't get a lot of plays, especially in that second quarter. And, you know, so the running the ball has been effective, and we've been able to do that. And I think Carson, you know, has done a nice job of shooting the ball down the field when we get the opportunity. I think one area that I could probably help in a little bit more is a little more in the quick passing game. But again, it's circumstances of games kind of dictate how you go about your business. But those are things that we, as you get into the course of the game, you dial up for your quarterback and and um, you know we're not turning the ball over that's obviously a positive we got another pick six finally we got a special teams uh, return for a touchdown so those things are beginning to sort of show up and and those are all the positives that going forward that we need to continue to build on the offensive line had such cohesiveness for four games you've got a new starter right tackle now how do you build up that cohesiveness you know you just go to work every single day and the guys rally around big v and we do whatever we can by game plan and by design to help him if we can but he'll learn from this last game and he'll get better from it, obviously. Another week of preparation going against another good defensive front is a great test for him. You're kind of feeding him to the wolves right away. There's no warm-up for him, so to speak. So we just keep loving him up. We keep coaching him hard. Stout does a great job with those guys, and uh, we got all the confidence in the world in Big V. On the defensive side of the ball, what can you and Jim and the coaching staff do to tighten things up? It's assignment football, really. Guys have got to be in the right spot. The aggression on defense is there. You know, guys are hustling. It's just the, the effort is there. It's just now just assignment football, detailing it, being in the right spot, moving their feet, you know, not staying behind blocks, getting off of blocks, getting to the path. It's just the mentality. Defense is a mentality, and you don't have to go in there and, again, reinvent the defense. I mean, the scheme works. Trust the scheme, trust the process, and everything should be fine. The defense had its poorest outing of the season last week at Washington, allowing 493 total net yards and 230 rushing yards to the Redskins. It was a shocking performance from a unit that had been so good in the first three wins of the season and then so dominating in the second half of the loss at Detroit. What happened? Safety Malcolm Jenkins says it was a total team effort. I mean, the biggest thing was Benny Logan was probably the only guy who had a good game and he got hurt. 
everybody kind of took their turn, either blowing an assignment or making mistakes. And collectively, when you add them all up, there's just a lot of bad football. Stuff that we can correct, and I think the biggest thing is when you have a team run the ball like they did and to keep the ball every time of possession and the amount of plays you're out there, all of a sudden you start getting tired and then the effort gets low, it snowballs into something worse. So the biggest thing is, is not letting that get out of control. Everybody doing their job every single play, regardless if you're a starter, backup, whoever, just doing your job. Nobody has to do anything spectacular and we can stop things like that from happening. So, But obviously, a lot of things are correct from the tape. Defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz wasn't the least bit pleased in the performance, and as he looks back on last Sunday, he does so with disdain and disappointment. A lot of bad things. First of all, we were bad at all three levels. Let's put it four levels. Um, we were bad at the defensive line, we were bad at the linebackers, we were bad at the secondary, and we were bad at the defense coordinator position. It wasn't just one thing in that game. There was crack toss, and one time we were short on all the blocks and it got our edge. Next time they ran a crack toss, everybody overran it, overplaying for that, and the ball cut back on us. We missed tackles in the back end. We didn't get off blocks in the front end. We were bad with leverage at times. There's a reason it, it looked so bad, and it's because we were so bad. I think it's my job to find a way to put a fire out and to find something that when we're not having a great day, to be able to have a change-up somewhere. Unfortunately, my change-ups didn't work either, and it didn't matter. Like, our four-man pass rush wasn't a I'm going off of run defense. I'm just going to the game in general, but we got no sacks in the game. That's not us. We got to have pressure. Our front four has to carry us. We got good players up there and, and they got to do it. When they're not having a good day rushing, our blitz package has to be able to come through. You know, we weren't successful in that. We had a couple plays we made in there, but not enough. You know, third down percentage means a lot for us. A couple of those drives, we had a chance. We had them backed up on a third down and nine. Did a good job in coverage. Got leaky in our pass rush. Quarterback scramble for a first down. Those things keep drives alive. If we're playing at our best, we're rushing the quarterback. We're getting off the field on third down, and we had opportunities to get off the field on some third downs. Started with the very first one of the game. There was no points on the drive. I think that set the tone. We did a poor job in a blitz on that when they were able to throw the ball outside converted. We got him stopped later in that drive, but I think the damage was uh, was done there. This week, Schwartz wants his defense to move on and get back to its dominating ways against Minnesota, a team that plays with great discipline and ball security. Their numbers aren't going to boggle you offensively, with the exception of turnovers. I think they have one turnover on the year. No interceptions. I mean, that goes a long way. But you look at their you know, stats across the board, they're not rushing for a very big average. I mean, I don't know if you would expect losing Adrian Peterson. But the quarterback's completing a lot of passes, real high completion. You know, they're not afraid to uh, take a check down you know they haven't made very many mistakes and I think that has led and as well as their defense is playing that's been a good formula for those guys you know I think a lot goes into that we got to find ways to take their security blankets away make them be more aggressive attacking the defense and then also it would help you know you make them play from behind all those things will go together and they haven't done that this year they've done a good job of playing from ahead and uh, takeaways mean a big a big thing you know the one that we had in that game as poorly as we played against the Redskins that one big play takeaway kept us in the ball game. You know, we need to find a way to get more of those, not just takeaways, but some lost yardage plays and being after the quarterback. He's not the most mobile guy in the world. Everybody understands that, you know, so I think there's some opportunities for us to stay after him. With defensive tackle Benny Logan sidelined because of a groin injury, the Eagles will turn to Bo Allen and rookie Destiny Vallejo for increased play alongside Fletcher Cox. Allen is ready for the playing time. I know that you prepare to play 
every game, start every game, play every yep. down. But now that you actually kind of can see it, what does that do for you the week of practice? It's not like it was my rookie year, like getting all that playing time. I think as an older vet, you kind of know what you need to do to prepare and you know like what you personally need to do to, to get your body right and to get you mentally sharp for the game. So I, I don't want to sound jaded or anything, but it's not like I'm a super young player that hasn't played or started games for us. So it's just kind of stepping into that different role a little bit. And I don't know, like I feel like I know what I need to do personally to play an expanded role and get my body right and things like that. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the opportunity. Everybody feels that what happened is correctable? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as frustrating as it is, um, it's all things that we can fix and we can improve. And we're going to do everything in our power to do that. We know we're so much better than that. I think that's what we're all frustrated and motivated about is to just play as good as we're capable. How would you describe the mood of the defense this week after that tough game on Sunday? You know, I think we're very motivated. I think we had a lot of energy today at practice, which is obviously exactly what you want to see. And I think if anything, it kind of brought us together as a defense, especially just because we know, like I said, we know we're so much better than that. And, you know, we're excited to show everybody else that we are too. What do you see with Minnesota and their offense? You know, they're a really efficient team. You know, Sam, their quarterback does a great job of completing passes really and just being smart with the football, protecting it. You know, they're also really committed to their run game too. You know, they had Adrian Peterson who went down and then they've got another big back that's kind of a one cut back, similar to what we saw last week. And, you know, they're committed to the run game with a variety of different schemes. So, you know, we're excited to play against them. I think we match up well too. Three wins, then two losses. The season goes in ebbs and flows. Do you see this as a crossroads kind of game, a really statement kind of game to see what the rest of your season brings? I think it can be, but I think more importantly, it's just about us. I don't want to come across the wrong way. The way I look at it is it's always about, you know, what we can do and it's about us in this locker room and not about, you know, whichever team's coming in. It's just about how we prepare and what we can do, you know, on Sunday. I don't really look at it as much as, as the opponent, just us as a team and as a defensive unit and things like that. What has Jim Schwartz been like this week? You know, he's kind of the same guy every week. So I wouldn't say it's any different than, you know, the previous six weeks of the season. He's always the same guy. He always brings the same amount of energy. He always uses the same uh, <laughs> language and things like that. So he'll get us ready. Thanks, Bo. Good luck. Thanks, Buzz. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm tight end Brent Selleck, and you're listening to the Eagles Live Podcast with Dave Spadaro. Touchdown, Brent Selleck! On the offensive side of the ball, quarterback Carson Wentz must meet the challenge of beating a Vikings defense that lives on an exotic and relentless blitz package. The Vikings are ranked as the best defense in the NFL in a number of key categories, and they play sound and confident football. Beating the blitz is something the offense has worked on all week. Here is coordinator Frank Reich talking about the difficulties of preparing for the Minnesota defense. You know, when you go up against a Coach Zimmer defense, it's always the biggest challenge of the year. They're so well coached, very disciplined, tough, fast, good challenge for us this week. Great schemes, very well coached, and good personnel. So we have a work cut out for us. Everybody runs a double A gut system, but in my mind, Zimmer's the master of it. It's his baby. I don't know if he probably didn't invent it, but he's mastered it. They run every kind of combination there is known to man. And they know exactly what you're doing. What takes it to a different level is they know what you're trying to do. They know what teams have done to try to counter it. So they've tried to counter that, and it's just a cat and mouse game that you play. Um, you know, we have our things that you try to plan to do to it and that we'll do, but you can't do the same thing every time because they're making in-game 
in-game adjustments to what you're doing. We're making in-game adjustments to what they're doing. Sometimes you're going to hit it right and we'll get the big play. Other times, you know, we tell our guys, hey, they might get us once or twice. You play this team, they might get you once or twice. We got to get up off the canvas and then, you know, get back in the third and manageable or punt the ball, don't turn it over, and let's just keep playing ball. How about some national thoughts on the Eagles? NFL Network's Mike Mayock offers his analysis of the Eagles and the change of fortunes through five games as we begin our press coverage. Mike Mayock doing the game for Westwood One this week. Uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago and the Eagles were rolling. It uh, hasn't been that way the last couple of weeks. What have you seen? I think we're getting back to reality a little bit. I mean, the things you and I both saw in training camp, you know, some inconsistency in youth in the offensive line, some issues out wide on defense, defensive backfield. It's just a matter of, did you think they were going to go 12-4? and four? I don't think anybody did, even after they went 3-0. and oh. So they couldn't stop the run. Last week was really bad. And on offense, I love watching the quarterback. And I think people starting to complain about him and I look at it and go, you know what? They didn't protect him very well. He held on to the ball too long. He's got to learn that the check down is okay. It doesn't have to be a touchdown every play. Check down's fine. So it's just a bunch of little things, but I think they're doing fine. I think they're on target. Mike, how do you stop the run? What does Jim Schwartz and his defense need to do to correct that? First of all, I mean, if you're talking this week, Minnesota's not a great run game. I think Washington's offensive line is way better than Minnesota. Minnesota's down to their fourth and fifth tackles. So their, their tackles are beat up. Their right guard got hurt against Houston. Uh, they couldn't run the ball against Houston. So what I saw on today, though was that I felt like the linebackers didn't make any plays. They got covered up by offensive linemen, couldn't get off blocks. Defensive linemen were late getting off blocks and there were some missed tackles. So I think there was some blame at all three levels, but I thought it was pretty obvious that the linebackers were having a big problem getting off big bodies. Offensively, right tackle, how did Vitae play? How does he take the next step for a young kid being thrown out there? It's a tough, it's tough getting thrown out there your first time. You can do well on a big percentage in the offensive line, but if you blow a couple and get your quarterback hit, everybody knows. So Vitae is a process and people have to understand that and they're going to chip and help out, which they did last week. I think he'll be better this week. I think he'll be better the following week, but it's really hard being an average tackle in the NFL in week one of your, your first start. Carson Wentz, these are tough times. What does he learn from all this? I don't think you have to teach him much. I, th- I think the whole thing with him is it's never too big. So I go back to what I said a moment ago. Sometimes, and you could see it at North Dakota State, this kid is a little bit on the gunslinger side. I think he holds the ball too long. Third and five, he's trying to throw the football way down the field, holds it too long, takes a sack when he's got Zach Ertz on a shallow cross wide open. Why? And I think a couple of weeks from now, later in the season, you'll see him throw that shallow cross. But I would much rather a young quarterback be aggressive and have to coach a little bit out of them than the other way around. What does Doug Peterson kind of tell his team, do you think, Mike? How do they respond after these two losses with the best team in the NFC coming into town? On offense, don't turn the football over. And I think that's number one. And by the way, the Vikings only have one turnover all season. The Eagles have two. They're two best in football. Don't turn the football over. The penalty thing is driving me nuts as I'm sure it's driving Doug nuts. And, you know, outside of turnovers, that's the quickest way to lose a football game. You got to reduce, if not eliminate, some of the dumb penalties, which there's been a bunch of. And on defense, they got to get off blocks and make plays. And and I don't think the Minnesota offense is outstanding. I think Sam Bradford's done a heck of a job, but they can't run the football. And uh, Sam's played real well. So I, I think it should be, if the Eagles defense plays well, a low-scoring game and get it in the fourth quarter and see if Carson can make a play. Mike, have a great broadcast. Thanks, man. ESPN Sal Palantonio is covering this very important Week 7 game, understanding how much it means for the Eagles to turn things around at home. 
Sal, when we last spoke, the Eagles were 3-0. and The whole world was all agog about this team. They've lost two straight games. What has happened to the football team? I actually agree with Doug Peterson. I think, first and foremost, you can't have 13 penalties and 14 penalties in back-to-back games. The team now leads the NFC East in penalties, and they're fourth in the league in penalties. It's an undisciplined team the last two weeks, and that falls on the head coach and the coaching staff. You know, they got to get the team much, much more ready to play in this football game from a discipline standpoint. And then I'm going to go on defense, David. You know, you give up 230 yards rushing. I don't care who you are. I don't care if Big V's playing right tackle or Dickie V's playing right tackle, okay? It doesn't really matter. You got to stop the run. If you don't stop the run on the road, you're going to lose. You give up 27 points, you're going to lose. So I think uh, it also falls on defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz to fix that. When you go back and you look at the film, which I did at NFL Films, they're over-pursuing. They didn't tackle very well and they didn't get pressure on the quarterback. Their blitz percentage is now lowest in the NFL. That's the calling card of the wide nine in Jim Schwartz's defense. He wants to get to the quarterback with your front four. If you don't get home with your front four and you're over-pursuing, you don't have any sacks for the first time in 22 games, you're going to lose the football game. So these things correctable in your mind, Sal? Oh, I think they are, for sure. Penalties have to be correctable, right? These are professional football players, and you look at the penalties and you say, okay, what are we doing wrong? False starts, holding calls on the center, those kinds of things should be easily correctable. You have to wonder about the defensive holding, which seems to be a recurring problem. It has to be fixed, too. You know, and when you lose a player of Dwayne Johnson's caliber, it's going to create upheaval, and it certainly put a lot of stress on the other members of the offensive line to make sure that Big V was taken care of, whether it was giving him help or making sure he was in the right alignment and assignment. And were there breakdowns? Yes, there were. Sal, how much of an impact does all of this have on Carson? And in the big picture here, keeping his eyes up, not looking at that pass rush, because ultimately this season is measured by his progress. And you're right. His eyes were looking down at the pass rush. You look at the film, it was Nick Foles-esque in a lot of instances. And I can't blame him. They were getting after him. And they were getting after him without blitzing him. We just did a piece on SportsCenter about the fact that they blitzed the fewest of Carson Wentz's five games so far. Redskins got after him 37% of the time of his dropbacks. He was pressured, which is the most since uh, he started in his young career. So they got after him without pressure because the offensive line was in upheaval and under stress. What kind of crossroads kind of game is this? Do you see that kind of game? No, I don't. I think the Eagles will win this game. The Vikings are without both their tackles. They're both on IR. One of their guards has a concussion. I think they'll put pressure on Sam Bradford, and I think they will blitz more in this game. I think the message has been delivered to Jim Schwartz, even though Doug Peterson wouldn't admit it. I think the message has been delivered. They will have to blitz him, and they will have to get to Bradford, whether it's safety blitzes or corner blitzes. Remember, second game, Monday Night Football, Malcolm Jenkins came in on a corner blitz, and Jay Cutler, and that set the tone for the game. And I think that's what you will see in this game. You'll see a tone-setting defensive back blitz blitz early in the game to shake up Sam. And from an offensive standpoint, how do you manufacture points against that defense? You don't. You don't manufacture. You hold on to the ball. You control the clock. You create favorable field position. And you grind out a win, David. You grind out a win. So how do you feel about this team at 3-2 and two and the way they've gotten to 3-2? and two? I'll feel better if I think that the head coach and the coaching staff are amenable to being flexible in their decisions. The decision to go with Big V was a questionable one, and I want to see how they fix it, how they react to it if he struggles. The decision not to blitz 
by Jim Schwartz is a fixable one and one that needs flexibility. You need to have a facile mind when you play this game because there's different presentations week to week. You have to be able to play situational football. You can't do the same thing each week or you'll get hurt and you'll get beat. So I'm interested to see how they react. You keep mentioning the blitz, which I'm going to read as you don't have confidence that the Eagles front four can get to the quarterback week to week consistently. Correct? It's hard to do. It really is. This team doesn't have four pro bowlers. They have one on the defensive line. When Jim Schwartz was in Buffalo, he had two or three. He had a couple in Detroit. He had some really good defensive linemen into Tennessee. But none of those teams won championships. So it's hard to do with just the four. you got to blitz in this league. What will the crowd be like on Sunday? <laughs> I think the crowd will be ornery. They'll want to get on Sam Bradford early and often in this game. And they could set the tone. Hey, this is the number one Fox game for a one o'clock game. This is a big, big, this is the number one game of the week. Dave, that's why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. And that's good. And that generally, that's why I'm here. <laughs> that generally means good things for the Eagles when you're here. So yeah. why don't you keep coming around? All right, good. You got it. Thanks, so. All right. What is the view from the Vikings sidelines? Let's hear from Bradford, who is 4-0 as a starter after the Eagles traded him eight days before the regular season opened in exchange for a first-round draft pick in 2017 and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2018. Bradford has yet to throw an interception, and he's helped the playoff-ready Vikings with his veterans' guidance and pinpoint accuracy. At the same time, the Eagles have Wentz developing with every throw he makes in the regular season. You know, it was one of those things that it happened so fast that, you know, I didn't really have time to process it. I honestly haven't, still haven't sat down and really thought it all the way through. You know, kind of like I told you guys, you know, in training camp and during the preseason, you know, I was really excited to be in Philly this year. You know, I thought we had a really good preseason. You know, I was excited to build on what we had did in the second half last year. You know, and I think when you spend, you know, so much time with the guys in that building, you know, when you're around the same people for, you know, a year and a half and you put the time in to develop those relationships uh, on and off the field, you know, it just comes to an end without really having a chance to say goodbye, you know, to go out on the field one last time and play with those guys. You know, I think there's always a little part of you that, you know, you're a little, you know, I guess down about that. I've seen a lot in seven years and, you know, I've learned to expect the unexpected. And, you know, I'm excited for every opportunity that's given to me. And, you know, I just try to take it a day at a time. You know, I enjoy watching them play and watching them have success. So, you know, I've tried to watch as much as possible from what Carson's done. You know, it's been awesome to see him play the way he has, you know, and it really doesn't surprise me. I think if you look at him, where he came in, you know, in OTAs, the progress that he made, the way he was playing at the end of training camp, you know, he was playing at a really high level. And so, you know, for him to come in and have the success that he's had, you know, I don't think it really surprises me. The voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, has seen it all in his 40 years, and this unusual Eagles start is nothing new. It won't be easy, Reese says in his Merrill Minute, but the Eagles have the right stuff to turn back the Vikings. The Eagles are in the Super Bowl! The Eagles are day. It's Groundhog Day! They did it again! Got it on the end zone! I don't believe it! This game could be in a museum. When you're three and two, and it's still October, it's still too early to use the word critical. But I look at this week's game against the Minnesota Vikings as a crossroads game. A game that would be a huge win for a team coming off two very, very frustrating losses. You can make a case that the Eagles got it together in the second half and played pretty well against the Lions and probably would have won that game had it not been for the late fumble. But against the Redskins, there were so many props. The team had its obvious breakdown on the offensive line with a rookie at right tackle 
terrible. And defensively, they were poor. There was no pressure on Kirk Cousins. The coverage was poor throughout the game. And that was a very, very disappointing and distressing thing to see. Against the Vikings, the fact is the Eagles have to get off to a quick start. They have to get the crowd into this game. They have to force Sam Bradford and the Vikings offense to go into a silent count. This is not a great Viking offense. It's up to the defense to keep them off the board, to keep the score low. And if they do that, I think Carson Wentz can lead this team and they can upset the Vikings and be right back on track heading to Dallas. That will do it for this Eagles Live podcast, episode 40. Thanks to Brian Thomas for his great work crafting all of this information into a podcast. And thanks to you for listening. It's a big one on Sunday, and we'll have another podcast with an instant reaction after the Eagles play the Vikings on Sunday at Lincoln Financial Field. In the meantime, have a great Eagles day, everyone.